Hello, and welcome back to Hope, a podcast wishing to inspire listeners everywhere with weekly stories and personal testimonies from our wide range of guests. The Webster's Dictionary defines hope as a desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in fulfillment. I'm your host, Danny Daniel, and thank you for listening. Today, we have the pleasure of hearing from Ron Grilecki about his family's journey through his son's diagnosis at birth. Now, his son is 11 years old, and his name is Parker. Is truly a living and breathing miracle. And Ryan is here to tell the story about never giving up hope and finding the important things in life. Again, thanks for listening. Uh, Ryan, Danny Daniel here with the Danny Daniel Show. How are you doing? I'm good, Danny. How are you? I just got back from vacation and um, a lot of things going on, but we're glad to have you with us today. My pleasure. Anyway, the good news is that he is the father uh, Parker, uh, who is a s- strong little boy that, uh, really puts himself in a position to do something extra all the time, I think. Uh, so tell us a little bit about you and your family. Uh, you've got more than one, uh, son. Yes, sir. That's right. Yeah. So, um, my name's Ryan. My wife, uh, is Chrissy Grilecki. Parker is our oldest. He will be 12 in September. So, uh, He's coming up on uh, rapidly approaching the teenage years. Uh, his younger brother, Chase, is 10, and then he's got a little sister, Emily, who is 8. Uh, we live just outside uh, Atlanta, Georgia. My wife was born and raised there. I'm originally from the Central Florida area, but have been here in Atlanta since around 2001. Well, let me ask you something. What uh, type of field are you in that allows you to take care of uh, your children? especially uh, Parker over the years? Yeah, so uh, I'm actually a, a full-time professor in the business school at Georgia State University in Atlanta. I uh, practiced law for many years and decided to make the transition. And that's a big part of, of the story, actually, is you know, Parker and you know, his birth and the miracles surrounding his life. It, it really changed my focus and where I wanted to put my energies, um, you know, as, as a, as a father and as a husband, and I left the practice of law and started pursuing, uh, what would ultimately become a career in higher education. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, again, we need more, uh, professors like you that, uh, tell the truth and try to get the information out that, uh, kids can actually utilize in their careers. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a business school graduate from the University of Georgia, Terry College, and uh, yeah. uh, have really utilized everything I learned over there for a long time. Uh, I think your expertise, to a certain degree, a part of your expertise is to raise kids, uh, because mm-hmm. you've got to raise not just uh, kids that um, are always uh, easy to raise, but those that are difficult. And that started out with What's this diagnosis called? Hydrocephalitis? Yes. So, yeah. So hydrocephalus is the the general uh, term that was used to diagnose Parker's condition. And it is a very, very, uh, it's kind of like an umbrella term. And and all that it means, it sort of literally translates to uh, water on the brain. So it's, it's a condition where excess fluid builds up in the brain. And the, the problem with hydrocephalus is there are myriad different causes, and then there are going to be a whole bunch of different effects of the hydrocephalus. And so Parker's 
specific condition, uh, or I should say specific cause of his hydrocephalus was what's called aqueductal stenosis. And that's just a fancy medical term that meant the, the pathway between the third and fourth ventricles of his brain was pinched closed. And so the cerebral spinal fluid that naturally just sort of floats all around the brain, we all have it. It could not drain properly. And all of us, it just drains properly in our bodies and our bodies, you know, do what they need to do to, you know, circulate the, the fluid all throughout the nervous system. Parker's couldn't. And so what happened is the fluid then built up within the brain and compressed his brain matter up against his skull. And as a result, at birth, he only had eight millimeters of visible on-scan brain matter. So you might say from a layperson's perspective, Parker was born with no brain. In his head, the cranial capacity, because of all the excess fluid, was two and a half to three times the size of a normal baby. He had three and a half pounds of excess cerebral spinal fluid uh, in his uh, his cranial uh, area. And so that had to be drained immediately after birth. Um, and then it just comes with a whole host of other other issues you know, down the line as, as you have that, that, uh, compression of the brain matter throughout gestation. What hospital did you use in Atlanta? Uh, yes. So he was born at Northside, but then immediately taken, you know, across the street to, uh, uh Scottish Rite at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. So the vast majority of his care was through, uh, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Well, they're just the best, right? Unbelievable. Like I, we could not say enough things about, you know, not just folks like, uh, you know, Dr. Reisner, Andrew Reisner is his pediatric neurosurgeon. That's, you know, Parker would say that's his hero. But then, you know, he had uh, a lady who, uh, Miss Crystal, who has taken every single or been a part of every single scan he's ever had. She took the first scan of his head when he came from Northside to children. And she's progressed through her career to where she's running a radiology department and yet she will find time when she sees Parker on the schedule to come and visit him to see how he's doing. You know, we have stories of several different nurses that if it weren't for their passion and dedication and, and literally love for Parker, he would have been in the in the NICU much longer than he was. Uh and then throughout my you know our time afterwards, I've worked a lot with the foundation. Uh, and, you know, on community boards and just have been involved with people at every level of the organization. And it's the commitment to the mission. And that's just making sure that, that kids get better and making sure that everybody has access to that quality pediatric health care, regardless of their ability to pay. And that just permeates throughout the organization and gives them a, a passion for what they do that you just rarely see in any professional setting. So there is a Scottish Rite in Atlanta. You don't have to go to Memphis to go to Scottish Rite. No, no, no. So, so Children's Health Care Atlanta is three separate hospitals in Atlanta. Scottish Rite is up in the perimeter area. And then we have uh, Hugh Spalding is down downtown and then over sort of in the um, around uh, the Emory. They're actually across the campus from across from Emory's campus was uh, Eggleston, which eventually that's going to be moving to a brand new building just just off of 85. Well, when when uh, Parker was born, uh, yeah. you know, that's supposed to be, especially your first child, that's supposed to be the most exciting time of your life uh, yeah. to see this brand new baby. But yet you all have a situation that requires an awful lot of challenge uh, and yet an awful lot of opportunity. Right. Yeah. I, um, you know, I think uh, sort of the blessing in disguise is when it is your first child, you don't you don't have expectations. 
uh, you don't know what it's air quote supposed to be like. Uh, and so we had no experience of, of parenthood or, you know, how a baby is supposed to come into the world and what's, what's good, bad, you know, healthy, unhealthy. And so, uh, that, that was helpful. I think, you know, you know, personally for us, our faith is the most important part of our being. And we put all of our faith in, in the Lord and he was using some remarkable doctors, uh, to make sure that Parker was going to get the care that he needed. And I think that what was really important for us to recognize is that we could not change the circumstances. So we were going to have to accept them and find joy in, in any little thing that was going to happen, but also really believe that regardless of how challenging, um, raising Parker, having Parker would ever become, we were specifically chosen to be his parents. And so this was, this was our, our, our job. We were stewards of this creation. And so that is what we held on to, regardless of what, you know, he might be able to do or not do. You know, we had a job to steward this very precious creation who had been fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and that's, that's what we were ready and willing to do. Well, it's amazing how you positively looked at it, uh, that you were specifically chosen to be his parents, and that's a great responsibility, but it's an, also an opportunity to do a lot of trusting in mm. doctors and, and the guy in the sky. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's, uh, that's worked out well for you. Now, you did change careers. Was that when you went to b become a professor uh, at yeah. a certain point? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was, I worked in big law firm environments, uh, my whole legal career. And that is a, it's a demanding career. It's, you know, it's 24 uh, seven. You're either billing hours or you're going out and trying to find clients. And, you know, I'm, I have a, I believe a very solid work ethic. And so I took those responsibilities very, very seriously. And I put a lot of time in, uh, and then when Parker was born, uh, I started to realize as, you know, not just people of faith, but, you know, people of science and doctors were saying, Parker is the definition of a miracle. He shouldn't be alive. He shouldn't be doing the things he's doing. This is unbelievable. We've never seen a, a, a child with hydrocephalus this severe do the things he's doing. And here I was gone every day, uh, you know, before he'd wake up, coming home every night after he's gone to bed. I'm missing the moments. Uh, you know, I didn't want to miss moments. Uh, I wanted to see as much as I possibly could. And so I didn't immediately, I wasn't immediately able to jump into academia. It's not, it's not that simple. And so I, I went through a, a progression of trying to sort of limit the amount of time I was away, uh, but also find ways to provide, but also we were, you know, it, it, we were not going to make as much money. And so there was going to have to be this step out in faith and adjustment in, in budgeting and lifestyle. And so what Parker's experience really did for me was reorient my priorities to say, Hey, you have a, there's a, a person that you want to be as a husband and a father. And if you continue on this path professionally, you're, you're not likely to be able to do that. And so you're going to have to adjust. And, and, and so that, that's what I did. And I, mean, I credit Parker and his story and just the miraculous nature of what he overcame for pushing me into quite honestly, what has become my passion. I know I was born to teach. Well, let me ask you something. Uh, could you see the progression of uh, his, uh, what he had and what he needed to, 
have to get well? Uh, did, could you see it over a week, a month, or years? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, it's a big part of, you know, when we talk about Parker's story, there is none. There's no ability to look long term with this type of a condition because we're talking about severe brain damage during gestation. And because of how little we understand from a scientific perspective about the brain, brain development, brain damage, we doctors had to tell us we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen in a year, two years, 10 years, 15 years. We can tell you anatomically what happened to Parker's brain, but we are going to, for the rest of Parker's life, just have to wait and see. And so, you know, I think what was important for us is, and actually good for us is there was no, oh, is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? We couldn't do that because we didn't know. So we just had to say, oh, look what he's doing now. You know, he was late to walk. Um, he was, you know, he had to get glasses at 15 months old. Um, you know, he had and continues to have a number of challenges that his peers don't have, but, you know, we don't ever think about, you know, long-term we embrace today, what's he doing, you know, and then we're able to look back and say, we never would have thought that was possible. He's overcome so much. He's exceeded all of his doctor's hopes, our hopes, you know, because we didn't ever say, you know, maybe at 10, he'll do this or, or, you know, maybe at five, this will happen. It just, we weren't able to do that. It was, you're just going to love this child. However, the Lord decides to have him progress uh, and celebrate each little victory. And, you know, by the grace of God, we've been given huge victories and and he's overcome so much and done so many amazing things uh, with this unbelievable personality that has developed, you know, despite incredible odds uh, against him in, again, brain development uh, due to brain damage. Well, you never, ever gave up hope. And that's part of our show. We call it Hope the Danny Daniels Show because yeah. that's what's most available to us. If we'll just have some trust and belief and uh, and some patience, doggone it. Y'all had to yeah. have some patience <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. To, to wait on wait on the Lord and wait on uh, his improvements. Uh, but... Uh, you found out very quickly that this was a very special kid and, yeah. uh, and that, that you never gave up hope. You put yourself in a position to know that one day he's going to wear a baseball outfit or something like that. And <laughs> we've got a picture of him wearing a baseball outfit, which means he must be a, a Braves fan or something. Well, it's, it's funny. He, uh, he is a, and how he would describe this, he is a sports fan. He is a lover of all sports, all teams, all players, he will not say who or what is his favorite because he does not want to hurt anyone's feelings. And so uh, he is just at the deepest level, a lover of all sports. Um, he can rattle off just facts and names and details about almost any sport you can think of throughout the world. Um, you know, from, you know, things like Australian rules football to, you know, a, a, a women's field hockey team somewhere. He just, loves and has a passion for sports and his heroes which is which is really interesting barker has this very um you know, this this unique ability to understand his own uh physical limitations and he recognizes that he's not going to be the guy on the field but he can be the guy in the booth and his heroes tend to be the broadcasters 
and you know the folks on the radio and the folks on TV that are talking about the games that are you know uh, doing the color commentary, all those sorts of things. So um, because of that, he's got this this passion for knowing about all sports and all teams because you know what he wants to do one day is be able to talk about them professionally someday as, as a broadcaster. Well, that's that's fantastic. I understand that uh, Parker has been an inspiration to to you, your family, and a lot of other people. Uh, is there any particular way that he's done that except gotten pretty much well and had a good attitude? Yeah, that's a that's such a great question. And it's a you know, my answer is something that I share in some of the work that I do outside of Georgia State that, you know, as as humans, most of us, the way we're wired neurologically, we assume that people are gonna say no to us. We assume the negative, we assume that you know, I can't ask for something because there's always going to be a negative reaction to that. Well, well because that, of part that, that just that's just not in Parker's DNA nor no. your family. That's a, and that's the sort of the beautiful thing about him, the inspiration that he's given me. He doesn't have that. He does not assume that. And so, what that has produced is just so many different opportunities where he has met famous people done unbelievable things just because that's what he wanted to do. And one of my favorite stories, and, and we, you know, we tend to tell this when we're talking about this concept, he was um, in Auburn and, you know, for you know, the Georgia fans, you know, Parker's mom, his uh, grandmother, grandfather, and uncle all went to Auburn. So he goes to all the Auburn football games. He was in Auburn uh, for a football game. The Paul Feinbaum show was uh, broadcasting from Auburn. And Parker was, you know, there in the audience and he decided that he needed to tell Paul something. And so he just walked up to this, you know, he started screaming his name, you know, from behind the stage. He walked up and talked to the security people. He just screamed his name. And finally, Paul just said, bring him on. And Parker ended up live on the Paul Feinbaum show from Auburn, Alabama, talking to Paul, sang the theme song for Paul. Uh, and then eventually, you know, called in a week later and was on the show, then called in after the national championship was on the show. And all of that happened because he just felt like he needed to talk to Paul. He had something to tell him and, and no one was going to tell him no. There was nothing wrong with that. You know, there was no, oh, you're not supposed to do that. You know, every, this is live TV. You don't interrupt. Paul, you know, Parker just said, this is what I'm going to do. And why wouldn't Paul want to talk to me? And sure enough, lo and behold, Paul loved talking to him and, and it created you know great television for the Paul Feinbaum show. And that, that is such an inspiration to me that, that to have that kind of a, you know, you don't take no for an answer. And in fact, you don't even think of no as an answer. You just go forward. You just push on and, and, and you, you believe that the best is going to happen. Well, I think what's happened to Parker is that he's taken baby steps uh, most mm -hmm. of his life, and now that he's gotten to be 11 years old, he's going to take giant steps, and <laughs> he's not afraid. I, I like a kid that's not afraid. Absolutely. Uh, I love that. That's a great way to put it. He's not afraid. And uh, he's he's going to uh, try to he's, – he's definitely making a, a mark, making his mark. How many of us don't make our mark, so to speak? Mm, we just yeah, kind of slide through life, and we don't put ourselves in a position to do anything special or extra or something like that. And you take Parker, uh, who has a challenge and has overcome the challenge uh, by his actions. I, I'm just in awe. I re really am. Has he had any, uh, you might say, setbacks at all uh, in the last four or five years? Or has he just continued yeah. to improve? Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd call him setbacks. I mean, he's, he still has a number of challenges. 
um, you know, Parker, if we're going to be candid, Parker suffers from mental illness because he has brain damage. And I think that, you know, one of the problems that we have in our society today is we don't give mental illness the empathy that it deserves. Um, and he has run into some challenges with that. Um, we had to change schools because, you know, kids his age back in, it was started in third grade. They don't, you know, unless they're trained up, they don't appreciate differences. And when someone is different, it, it, that's not good um, in the eyes of a lot of, you know, young, you know, second, third, fourth graders. And so, you know, Parker dealt with that and he started to notice that. And, you know, so we, we made some changes for him and where he was going to receive his education because I just swore that I would not allow, you know, another child to break his spirit. Um, and yeah, I think him picking up on, on other kids, picking up on, on his differences, um, because he's a challenge for kids his own age because he doesn't really do personal space and he talks like he's 35 years old and he's got all this like random knowledge in his head. And, and, and so it's hard for kids to interact with him. And, and that, that was, that's been tough for him. And then, you know, he, he, part of his condition, you know, has a lot of anxiety and OCD that, you know, causes him some just sort of internal, uh, uh, strife, if you will. It, it, sometimes he gets locked on things and it's hard for him to get off those things or he gets upset about things. and It's hard for him to overcome that. Um, but you know, it, looking back at where he was, what we're facing and what he's facing is so small in comparison to what could have happened and could have been and probably should have been that it's just, it, you know, it's, it's not, you were able to put it in perspective. Let me say that. So, you know, setbacks, I don't think so. I think it's, it's just, I wouldn't call him that. I think it's just understanding, you know, the challenges that, that he's going to face and him being able to adjust just like, he dealt with and adjusted to the physical challenges. Now he's got some more social, uh, maybe emotional, uh, and maybe mental challenges that you know we believe that he'll continue to to overcome those. I like the word overcome. There's no question about it. He can be put in that category. He has <laughs> overcome a great deal to be where he is, and I'm sure yes. that uh, his two sisters, as well as your wife, and all have supported him all along the way, and really lift him up pretty high. Yeah, it's a brother and a sister. But yeah, it's uh, it, what what's really amazing, and I think this is really important. Uh, his siblings, because of having a brother like Parker, are so incredibly conditioned to love people who are different and celebrate differences and em embrace differences. And to, you know, you don't leave people out. You, you try to discover the story. You give everybody respect. Um, you know, and they've grown up with a, an older brother who is incredibly dynamic and allowed them to do a lot of cool things, but has also taught them um, that there is no, there's no mold and no one has to fit into a mold. Um, everyone is different and unique and needs to be celebrated because of those, uh, these uniquenesses. Well, it certainly sounds to me like that y'all have made this a family affair and <laughs> uh, yes. making sure that uh, he's loved, uh, he's cared for, he's gotten the best care possible. This guy's right. I don't have any question about that. We support them uh, and Excellent. we promote them very much. Uh, and we feel like the other area of promotion needs to be in the mental health uh, arena mm -hmm. uh, because it's so little uh, dedicated to that in our country, much less in our state. 
but we're going to keep fighting, and uh, we yeah. we take stories like um, like his story uh, and Parker's story, and we lift them up high, and we says, "What can we learn from them?" Uh, you you yep. guys have learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely true. Yep. Uh, you could you could teach a course on it, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, I, I think that the beauty of the way you're projecting this to me is that y'all have always had hope. Uh, that's that's our theme word, hope. And if you've always got hope, then you can gain opportunity. Uh, without Absolutely. hope, you really have a difficult time in accomplishing most anything. So we hope that uh, Parker continues to improve, continues to enjoy life, continues to, to be the kind of kid that uh, really you— you want others to be that uh, cares about other people and uh, wants to uh, wants to do the right thing. So, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for being with us today. I, I, I can't tell you how much it's meant to us and to uh, you've got a great story. And that's what we're looking for. And uh, we appreciate it. Well, we appreciate the opportunity anytime to, to share Parker's story. It's, uh, you know, it's part of a, his and our ministry to just share um what what the Lord's done and, and what the hospital's done and what so many people have done and what Parker has, has done. So it's a, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to share it with you. Well, we appreciate it very much. We want everybody to know about Parker. That's our whole whole purpose here. So thank you and have a great uh, a great rest of the week. Excellent. Thank you. Take care, Nathan. What an incredible story from Ryan Galecki. Children truly are resilient. We can learn so much from seeing the world through the eyes of a brave kid like Parker. Do you know a Parker? Some child that has had a challenge since birth that needs to be uplifted because that child is uplifting us all? Uh, send us your story, hope at thedannydanielshow.com. I wanted to remind our listeners that I am a large supporter of UGA Miracle, which is a student-run organization that raises money for Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. More specifically, children like Parker whose story we just heard. They raise over a million dollars a year, and you can be a part of that. Just go to ugamiracle.org and you can donate. Remember, any amount given is a step closer to saving a child's life. Also remember to follow us on social media. We will be posting our episodes on our Facebook page along with the website. Stay in touch with us and spread the word. It's all about hope.